Hi, and welcome to the Sailorville Church Podcast. My name is Abe Miller, and I'm here once again with Pat Nemmers. Two weeks doing? in a row. Good Two to be with you, Abe. We're on a streak. We're <laughs> rocking and rolling. Now, this is good, because the subject of this, you may have questions, but but I got questions for you on this Oh, one. man. This will be good. This so, will be fun. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're talking again about the Sunday message, which you preached on James chapter 5, which was a... Really, real, uh, real nice passage. Uh, James was very, you know, compassionate. Kind of and, a feel good. Yeah, making a feel good yeah. message. Which, if you actually read, if you've actually read James five, is verse first five verses, right? Six, six actually. verses. Uh, you know, it's he's not bring, that he's bringing the hammer. Yeah, he is. Why don't you give a quick, quick overview there, and then we'll, yeah, we'll jump into some questions. Well, we titled the message "Rich and Ruined." That's uh, that's the message I came up with, and I, I started off by saying I I don't know what was going on with James, but it's almost like he was so fed up with these the ungodly rich uh, and what they were doing, how they were misusing people, how they themselves were hoarding up treasures in, on earth rather than you know laying up treasures in heaven, etc. He just comes out just just like an Old Testament prophet, just hammering on them and. Uh, so uh, that was the subject. I mean, uh, you know, this is the whole business of what what you do. What are you doing with the wealth that God has given you? We established early on that if you live in America, you're you're probably at the very least in the ninety five percent tile, and you're probably in the ninety nine percent tile of uh, well, putting it differently, one percent. That is ninety nine percent of the rest of the people on Earth are poorer than you. Right. Uh, so if you thought this was a this was a hammer against only wealthy people from a relative perspective, uh, you you you're probably wrong. And my question, I mean, I had some thoughts for you. I thought, well, this is kind of a money pass. You're kind of a money guy. You like, I mean, you're <laughs> you're our administrator. You're always money's kind of on your mind a lot, just because mm-hmm. you're one of the major your elder stewards uh, of our church and. Uh, you know, you're kind of a Dave, Dave Ramsey guy and all that guy. So I guess I'm going to start by asking you a question. How, how did this message, generally speaking, resonate with you? I don't even know if you liked it. So you may, it may, <laughs> it may have been a, it may have been a, it may have been a strikeout to you. I, I'm serious. I don't know. So you could, we, we didn't even talk about the message in our elder meeting today. Yeah. I, I think one, one thing I love about the way we do the preaching here at Sailorville is we go through the passages, you know, we don't skip any of them in a sense. I mean, we're going through the book of James and that's, this is where we're at. You know, it's not something, this passage is not maybe one that people would necessarily pick to talk about, but I think it, and money is, uh, is personal, right? It, uh, we've maybe talked about this before, but it's like, you can talk about everything else, your spiritual life, your marriage, you know, sin issues, but like, yeah, we don't talk about how much you make, and we don't talk about uh, how you how, spend it, how you spend it, or what kind of house you have, or car you drive, or how much you're giving to the Lord. I mean, those are all like, hey, that's between me and the Lord. Like, you don't get to mess with that. That's so, right. right. I love, I love the fact that we're just even talking about mm. money and like, hey, guess what? It's not yours. Mm. It's the Lord's, and we're just managers, stewards of it. Um, and that's a that's a huge responsibility. So I. I mean, for me, like it was just another good reminder. Like I, 
I agree with everything that was said in the message, but it to me it was just a good reminder of like, hey, but it's not your money. Like, mm-hmm. I think we all say that, and everybody would shake their head and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, when it comes down to reality, there's a lot, a lot of us that would say, yeah, it is my money. I can do with it what I want. Hey. Yeah, I wonder if our listeners out there, if any of them have made the comment, well, it's not mine, it's the Lord's. But you just said it because you know that's the right thing to say. Right. But you really don't mean that in your heart. In your heart of hearts, that's your money. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, even in our men's ministry, the, one, of the, one of the things we're talking about right now is like, you know, ask me hard questions. That's one of the things we're talking about. And especially with guys asking hard questions. But I think like even the money thing is a, sometimes those are hard questions. But, you know, it's, it's those are good questions. Like, are you, you know, um, one of the books uh, we've we've done with premarriage counseling, it says in there, you know, like every every dis- every financial decision is a spiritual decision, which I don't know if a lot of people would agree with that or live that way. Like, really, like I can I can spend it on how I want, and um, so yeah, for me personally, it was it was just another good reminder. It was like a it was like a reset. Uh, my wife Jesse and I have been talking about finances and really just trying to be more intentional with finances and what we're doing. So it was, I don't know, it was great for us just to kind of extend that conversation of what are we doing? What are we laying up in heaven? What are our treasures? What are we, what are we so passionate about? It'll wreck us. I mean, I loved that. What you said in the message, you know, those are good. Those are good questions to ask ourselves. And sometimes I don't think we like the answers. Well, I asked the question. I don't know if you had it in your notes. I asked that question. How do I know if something owns me? And, uh, you know, just the answer I gave was, by the way, I respond when it's taken right. away from me. Right. Or or in, with an illustration I gave. Or when it's damaged. You know, and I went back, you know, 100 years ago when I had, when the only car I ever owned, when it got dented. You know, inten- that was the worst thing. It was an intentional thing. And that just made it more maddening. And I just, I just lost it right there in the parking lot. And I can remember my wife thinking, are you like sane right now? Mm-hmm. Cause uh, it's, I know it's your car, but it's, it's not a human being, you know, or something right, like that. Right. But, but I did, I remember thinking, Oh man, I just, I just went crazy for a little bit. That car, I didn't own that car. That car owned me. Yeah. Which is a great question. Yeah. We were just talking in our, our men's community group this morning, this came up, we asked this question and we were talking about it. And one of the guys even as he was talking, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like stuff is not that big of a deal to me. Like, yeah, if I lost my wife or my kids, like that would, it would hurt. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? And I'm like, my stuff, my car is not really. And he said, he's like, you know, I, I was thinking about my health. Like if I lost my health, mm-hmm. like how would I respond? And I was like, oh man, that, that hit like a nerve for me. Cause you know, it's, I want to be in shape. I want to have energy. I want to be able to stay young and all those things, you know? And it's like, what would I, how would I respond if God took that away? So that was something I think, I I guess I haven't thought about as much, you know, like what would wreck me. And that is one of those things where in this, our health driven society that we live in, culture that we live in, that is really something you can't really do anything about. I mean, you can, you can keep yourself at an optimum and keep your right. weight down and, and run and do things that you got to do to stay healthy and strong. But, you know, I remember, I remember many years ago, somebody just unexpectedly got cancer and it just took them out. And another friend uh, said to me, well, it's all genetics. And I kind of thought it was sort of, he said it kind of coldly, but he meant it. I mean, our, we're, we are 
sinners right down to our DNA, and that means our genetics are messed up. And so just because you got it all together, think think guys like Steve Jobs, you know, the next, you know, next thing you know, he's got pancreatic cancer. He's gone. Yeah. And so those aren't things that you can control. Just when you think you can control it, God does something to remind you that you don't control it. Yeah, and it reminds me of the, you know, the end of James there where it was that last week where we talked about, you know, your life is a vapor. I mean, Lord willing, you know, that's, that's health and that's also finances. I mean, that's, we think we have control over our finances. We think we've got our, we've got our nest egg, we've got our retirement, we've got our savings account, and that's where we find our safety and security and our comfort. And yet I've often said to people like, man, if, if God wants your money or he wants to like challenge you in that area, like he can, like you don't have, even though like on paper it looks like we've got control and security, we really don't. Yeah. I I was I didn't tell you this, sir. I've a I was going to come to you today and the other elders to get uh, permission if I you please. You know, I do have to ask you now for things. I don't oh, really I, it's it's really kind of demeaning, but I guess <laughs> So we're my, gonna do it. Maybe we're gonna my, do it here on the podcast. Maybe it's maybe it's my age. No, it's not gonna happen because <laughs> oh, okay. it, it's gonna happen eventually, but it's not gonna happen this week. So I was gonna leave tomorrow after we had a big we have a big engage uh, network of all the the eight churches coming together uh, tomorrow, and and I was gonna leave for I won't name the city, so I won't do that. But uh, for a certain city, several hours away, uh, a friend of mine I've talked about before. He he retired very successful. He retired. Uh, we are the same age, so he retired several years ago. I I think I can say from where from John Deere, but it wasn't the John Deere right around here anyway bottom line is uh and he saw i felt he he was he was a tremendous uh basketball player when we were in high school mm. and uh he just started to lose his balance and stuff like that and then i remember one of my other friends saying hey uh he's not doing so good and the next thing you know he was diagnosed with ms and that was probably 20 years ago mm. and now he's almost a complete invalid and he's got all kinds of issues and uh, he may only have another, mm. he may only have a few weeks to live at some point. I'm gonna have to make a trip there to see yeah. him because supposedly he trusted Christ. We're going to find out if he did or not, but that's just another example of a guy he had, he, you know, he had it all planned out, you know, with the wife, he had kids and he was going to do this and do that. And he's, he's been an invalid for several years and I go see him once a year if, if I, you know, whenever yeah. I can. And I love him and it, it's, uh, but he's, He's, he's not long for this world. And in light of eternity, if our life is a vapor, there's none of us that are long for this world. Yeah. yeah, it definitely puts everything in perspective. And what are we living for? What treasures are we laying up in heaven? And yeah, it can, we can get distracted really easy. So you did, you said in the message too, you said this was challenging to me personally. That was one of my questions I had for you. you did I, I say I, that in the message? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It, it, so I'm, I'm throwing the question back at you. So what was challenging to you about it? Well, it, uh, I mean, more than the subject, the fact that I had to preach the subject. And, uh, you know, someone has said when you preach or when you read the Bible or study the Bible or articulate, articulate the Bible, uh, I think, you know, when I, even when I read it, I like to read it in my own mind the way the, the writer intended it to be read. Mm. So if there's a, it, when the Bible uh, carries a smell, you should act like you're smelling it. If the if it carries a a, a resonance or a loud voice, it should be loud. Or if it should, if it's soft, if it's uh, you know 
something for a word of comfort. That's the way it should be read. And so when I, I mean, so just reading it at the very beginning of the message, uh, was, uh, you know, I, I just came out thundering and it's not the way I like to, you know, there's an old Puritan saying when it comes to preaching and you aspiring preachers out there, it's a great line. It's a little got, it's a little poetic and, uh, it's a great philosophy of preaching. I think it was established about 400 years ago. And it was, uh, when it comes to preaching, you should start, uh, start low, burn slow, rise higher, catch fire. That's the way a sermon should go. Yeah. But this one, I caught fire right out of the chute. And that's hard to do because when, when you do that, you you get everybody's attention, but then you got to hold that for about 30 minutes. You know, I don't know how successful I was, but it was a hard sermon to preach. Uh, and, you know, um, uh, it's one of those sermons where you had to fight against your uh, man-pleasing elements within you, you know, you don't offend people who happen to have a lot of money. Uh, I don't think I did that. And truthfully, I don't really care, but I, <laughs> I, mean, I wasn't trying to do that. Right, okay. Right. Uh, and so, uh, uh, they, that's why it was hard yeah. for me. I, I, uh, I do want to have a good perspective on the wealth that I have. I, you know, I've, you know, as a, as an American, you know, but that really wasn't the great challenge for me. It was just communicating it and to do it in a way that would honor the Lord challenge God's people too. Yeah. So the, the three, the three points were seek, seek first the kingdom of God, right? That was your first, essentially your first point. Yeah. And then, um, what'd you have? Lay, lay up treasure in heaven and walk in humility and fear of the Lord. Right, those were the three. Yep, yep. So, which I thought was, I thought that was really, it was good in the in perspective of the message and that that passage. I mean, I think it because it almost you know that the, just that passage alone can come across as like super negative. Like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. what you even said, you know, like yeah. and the end, like what an encouraging message. <laughs> but these these points are great because it, you kind of have to ask yourself those questions of, am I seeking first the kingdom of God or am I seeking treasure, um, elsewhere? And am I laying up treasures in heaven? Um, what, a couple of the questions I have, and, and you kind of mentioned this, but like, how do I lay up treasures in heaven? It's one of those phrases we throw around, especially in the, the Christian world. But like, I don't know if people like, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Yeah, because I never really laid that out. I didn't spend a lot of time explaining what does that mean. That would be that would be a great message to preach. And I did have a young man come up to me right after the me- one of the messages, very sincerely said, uh, Pastor, thank you for the message. I appreciated it. It was a real challenge to me. And then he goes, but I have a question. And then he goes, I go, yeah, what is it? He goes, so what does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? <laughs> it just it just caught me off guard for a minute. And I said, well, I said, you know what I think it means? He goes, what? I go, I think it means live for Jesus. <laughs> and I know that's like crazy oversimplification, but mm-hmm. if you really are, you know, seeking the Lord, if you really are walking with Christ, if he really is before you, like the week before his message, you know, I've set the Lord always before me, you know, living quorum Deo in, in front of me. Uh, and that's going to affect everything about my life and including my wealth and the way in which I spend my money and this and that. So basically just 
making him first in your life. That's that's how you're going to lay up treasures in heaven. And, uh, you know, if you want to catch the context of that, you read the Sermon on the Mount, because that's where Jesus uh, talks about that in the light of things that people worry about. Mm-hmm. So you've been a you've been a pastor for how many years total? Forty? Uh, is it almost forty? It's not forty. No, I, I uh, nineteen. It was the fall of 1986. I was actually a senior in college when I began. So nineteen eighty six. It's so thirty eight. Thirty eight. Thirty eight years. Yep. Not quite. So in thirty eight years of pastoring, doing life with people, shepherding people, counseling people, how have you seen? wealth because you said one at one point you said it can be a blessing or a curse Mm -hmm. how have you seen it be a blessing how have you seen it be a curse and and just for the people listening like you know everybody's got wealth to some extent we have stuff we have money we do certain things like how do i so yeah what what have you seen what let's do that first what have you seen as blessings and then how have you seen money become a curse well, I guess I'm, I'm always, when you say that, I th- I'm thinking of individuals that come to my mind who have, uh, who have amassed a lot of money. And, uh, and I don't know as many as you might think. I mean, 38 years, you say, well, you must know a lot of rich people. I don't. I know a handful. And, uh, but the handful of, of wealthy people that, have, that I got close to were people that, for at least from what I could tell, they were very generous uh, not just with me, but generous with the church. And I guess one thing is one, when you have a philosophy of not borrowing, we talk about that from time to time. And I developed this philosophy, uh, over 20 years ago, right. uh, we're actually 30 years ago. And, uh, that really brings out the generosity in people because you're not, you're telling them, uh, we're not going down to the bank. We're not borrowing the money. We're going to trust God to bring up those monies. And so that's where it's been really uh, cool to see people of means step up and say, I, I guess we need to do something about this. But you said something in our elder meeting, which is really good, which is we, you know, and the intent of the message was not to just praise wealthy people who have given their, who really know what it means or have demonstrated that is uh, that the, the Lord owns the money. And I do know those and they do encourage me. But when you think of the major projects we've done right here at Cedarville, which have amounted to over $10 million, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe that's not to the listener out there that may, that's not that much money. Oh, seems like a lot of money to me. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, as I think about all the monies that have come in from people of great means, I'd say maybe 10% of it came from those, which means the normal Joe and normal Jill out there who love Jesus that aren't necessarily super rich in our they're the ones who gave faithfully to, to provide the funds uh, to, uh, to purchase the properties and to and to build the buildings that we've done for God and for his glory. So my experience has been really, really good. I have, uh, I, I, this, I have been, um, I've had circumstances, uh, of, indiv- again, I'm, I, people come to my mind. I, where people made comments like it's all the Lord's, but then I look at their lifestyle and I look at their, look at what they have. And it's very bothersome to my spirit. I don't I want, I want to stop sure of judging them 
because they just have these gaudy homes and and they just have every bell and whistle available, and yet it's all the Lord's. It's like, I don't know, it might be all Lord, but it sure seems like he's letting you use most of it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and, uh, and uh, uh, I remember in one, in one situation, someone told me, I remember that, this anonymous, of course, uh, uh, here's a couple that you know we led to the Lord, and I, I won't tell you whether it was th- this church or the one I formerly pastored or several years ago, but he was real desirous to be more generous, and he said, I can't because uh, because my wife. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, when she heard about giving 10%, she goes, that's not going to be us. And I, I think that when I looked at their life, there was just a, they needed to maintain, or they felt like they needed to maintain a certain lifestyle. It, it saddened me because they were, I really loved them, but they, it gets back to the whole business of the rich young ruler. Remember I made, I made that comment and that didn't come to my mind except at communion time. So I don't, this probably didn't make the, the sermon. I'm sure of it, but I thought of that rich young ruler, remember he comes to Jesus, wants to know how to have eternal life. Uh, you know, he, Jesus rips off a bunch of commandments. He says, I've done them all, you know, Hey, what else, what am I lacking? And then Jesus says, you know, go sell, go sell all you have and give it to the poor and follow me. I don't think Jesus is telling all of us to do that, but he told him to do that because Jesus knew that he didn't own wealth. The wealth owned him. And so when I meet people like that, that grieves me. I I know they're only going to go so far when they're, they're owned by the things of this world. And that's why I said, remember the message, inordinate wealth left unchecked. And I kind of remember, yeah. I explained what I meant by that. You know, without, you know, if you got a lot of wealth without an increasing uh, uh, generosity to sort of balance it out, that that will desensitize you. It just makes you dull, yeah, fat and lethargy comes in. Yeah. And, and it, the, the whole idea of the generosity part, like we, we do, you know, praise the Lord for this church and the generous people that come here, you know, and, yeah. and yeah, I think I think I, I would I would love to just say to those people that are listening to this that are, um, you're not the huge huge givers, but like you've sacrificially given yeah. to this church and what we've done here, and and not only the building, but like the mission trips and the salaries and the just to keep the church functioning. That they have given, you know, we don't know that they they know that before the Lord, but it. Um, it's it is fun to be generous. It is fun to like give back to the Lord. I think a lot of people look at it as like a drudgery or a I have to give ten percent or whatever your number yeah. is. You know, whatever you feel convicted by the Lord to give. But I think it's um, if if God does own a cattle on a thousand hills, then then He owns it all, and it's not ours. Which I don't know. I think I think that it's just it's cool to see how God uses different people and individuals to yeah. to generously give. And this church has been super generous. It has been. And I uh, in our last membership class, we had a large membership class a few weeks ago, and and we were talking about giving. And I that's the one time I talk about it. We don't coerce people to give, you know. And I talk about the principle of tithing. I talk about how the whole tithe thing that giving of ten percent began with Abraham before the old, that is before the law began. People say, well, that's a law principle. Right. Well, there it is embedded in the law, but it actually took place before the law. And my, in my mind, it supersedes the law then. So I said, I think that if 
when you get really serious minded, you start thinking toward giving 10%, but then give a little bit more. If you, and Abe, you, you've been around long enough to know, you remember the old paper bulletins that we used to have? And we never did it here that I can recall. But I remember uh, many years ago when I began, you, you asked me how long I pastored. I remember 30 years ago, 35 years ago when I first started pastoring, the, we had these paper bulletins, you know, bifold bulletins. Yeah. And there was always a little place there that said, uh, last week, they would give the, give the date. So it was kind of everybody saw it. And it said, last week's tithes and offerings. Do you ever remember that? It was always, and it, I always thought tithes and offerings, it's being a little redundant, isn't it? Tithes and offerings. Well, just call them offerings or why don't just call it tithes? But it was called tithes and offerings. And now I get it because basically the idea was we expect you to give 10%, but then after that, it's an offering. <laughs> That's something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, of course, I'm again, I don't want to, this isn't about that. But if you're wondering out there while you're listening how much you should give, you're a fervent follower of Jesus, you love him, and you're in your local church, I think you should strive to, to tithe at least. I mean, you should strive. If you're giving 2% now like everybody else, I wouldn't feel good about it if I were you. But you might want to think about upping that to five by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and those those are all, those are all hard questions to ask yourself, right? Like why, why, why do I not? Yeah. Why, why do I not want to give that to the Lord? You know, and why do I need it? Or why do I want it? Why do I want that control? I mean, those are all, those are all heart questions that everybody's got to answer. Um, I want my comfort. I want my security. And I mean, this is a question I've asked a long time too, like, especially in America, like the American church, it's like the American church, Christianity, like who makes the rules of, this is what, this is okay. And this is not okay or whatever. I like, there's no rule out there, but there's like acceptable, right? Like it's okay for you to live in this type of a house with this type of a car and go on these vacations. And it's like, well, that's fine, but you can't have, you can't have this or whatever, you know? So it's, well, I'm not, then we get into the whole comparison thing. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. And that guy spends way more money than I do. And I give more than, you know, which there again, goes back to your heart and like, okay, Lord, like if you own it all, how do I, again, asking questions of my life. Why, why do I need this? Why do I feel like I have to have it? And I got to keep up with the Joneses, right? I got it. Everybody else has it, which we live in, we live in a nice area. I mean, Des Moines in general and the, the Metro around here. I mean, there's some nice houses and nice cars (laughs) and there, I think there's pressure for a lot of people, you know, like I got to keep up with everything. Yep. There's no question about that. So I, I think, I think at the end of the day, we got to get down to the basic, understand who we are, understand whose we are, right. and respond properly. And if we do it with that with the right spirit, it, we're not. It's not going to be begrudging. Then we go back to those that Second Corinthians eight and nine passage where God loves a. Again, the Greek says a. a hel- you said something about it. It even used the word which means to laugh. A hilarious giver, and I think it is. I think you're right when you give from the heart. Uh, it is fun. I think you use the word fun. There's, we don't usually think about fun when we're coughing up money, but I think it can be. I think it should be. I think it's not ours. I mean, it, it, we, we got, Do you the, mean that? Well, I hope so, <laughs> but we get the ownership messed up. It's yeah, mine. Do. And then, Hey, I'll give some of it back to the Lord. I think that's backwards. Yeah. We have a saying around here. It's one of our value statements that God owns everything. So I will invest for eternity 
what he has given me temporarily. And we, we talk about these things when someone comes to become a member. We don't, we want people to join the church who come to know Jesus, but we want them to come in with eyes wide open and to say, this is what we expect you to believe as a member. Now we're not going to come around and, you know, we don't do that. And I, we tell people there's only one person that knows how much you give. And that's just for the sake of records. So I give that to you at the end of every year, but we want people to see that and believe and then live that way that God owns everything. So invest in e- for eternity, what God has given to us temporarily because our life is a vapor. We're pretty temporal here on this side of the, of eternity. Yeah. Thanks. That's good stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you.